0: From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Welcome to the Off the Post Podcast. A summer edition is here. I'm John Mattis of Post Media. And today, from all the way from Chicago, the windy city, the windy but sunny city, I hope, uh, is is Ian Fleming of Hockey Graphs, of NHL Numbers, of DispellingVoodoo.com. Ian, what's new?
1: Uh, not too much. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fairly well. It's uh, it's the dead of summer. I mean, it's it's sandals weather here in Toronto, which which you can't say for too long. Uh, we're pretty much right in the middle of uh, of the offseason in terms of uh, action. I mean, Johnny Oduya was was the big name a couple days ago, that sign. So you know uh, it's slim pickings when.
1: <laughs> it says a lot about the state of affairs at the moment.
0: But... It's perfect in terms of uh, speaking with you because I wanted to talk about uh, broad stroke goalie analysis, sort of how we can learn more about goalies and evaluate them better than than maybe we do uh, as the common fan or or as the educated fan. Because I consider myself fairly educated. I mean, for my job, I talk about hockey, I write about hockey, but with goalies, I'm still not really. Uh, feeling totally confident with with how you can really break down who's good, who's not good, and you know what what it means when a guy signs for X amount of dollars or term, like what that is it a good deal, is it a bad deal. So s- selfishly, I wanted to have you on to learn more, and also for the listeners to uh, to also learn more. and And we'll sort of we'll talk about uh, how to evaluate goalies, and then later we'll we'll get into some fun stuff where we'll we'll kind of uh, get into a bit of a ranking system of of the NHL goaltenders currently going to next season, maybe tier them uh, and get your thoughts on uh, the, the prices of the world, the lunquist of the world, and uh, Corey Schneider, whoever else you want to throw in there at the top. Uh, how does that sound to you?
1: Uh, it sounds great. I'm absolutely happy to help. Uh, statistics is uh, sort of my area with goaltenders. Um you know, I'd love to talk shop and, and some of the more technical areas, but I think stats are, are really where I can help out the most in this uh, conversation.
0: All right, so right off the top, we need to get uh, kind of the elephant of the room uh, out of the room, and that's uh, goals against average and wins are team stats. They should be treated as team stats, not as anything. like When I see it written into a copy of articles or on a broadcast, I kind of cringe because it's... I thought we were at a point with uh, analysis that we've realized that goals against average is just not, it doesn't really show what the goalie has done. It's more of uh, a reflection of how the team is doing. Uh, where do you start then with, with you know, what's the first kind of layer of, of analysis when you look at goalies? Is it is it save percentage? Is it five on five save percentage? Where do you, where do you begin?
1: Well, not with those two Statistics we just brought up—that's for sure. Uh, yeah, those two are, are, are should be thrown in a dumpster and lit on fire. It's that's not where you want to look at for for goaltenders and try to judge anything. Um, so the next step moving from there is well, what should you look at? Well, save percentage is certainly one thing, but I think that. We'd be better off if we changed the way we look at save percentage. And, and for me, it's not even something I really particularly like looking at to begin with. That um, when you look at raw save percentage, first of all, it's all situations. Now, there is some conversation about whether or not uh, all, sit, all sets save percentages maybe more repeatable um, than uh, 5v5 regardless. Neither is particularly good at predicting out from year to year or a set of games to the next set of games. Uh, and the reason being, I think, has a lot to do with the fact that there's just no differentiation in, in shot quality when you're looking at save percentage. All save percentage is going to tell you is how many goals are scored based on how many shots were taken. And that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a quantity stat. Um, it's, it's a percentage stat based on two quantities and that's it. And then you're looking at it standardized for, you know, probably depending on how many decimals out you're looking at uh, per thousand shots, right? Which is not really a really particularly good way of doing it. Um, We're not going to have a great time conceptualizing per thousand shots, you know, what's good and what isn't. Okay. So that's flat out, probably not a really good way to evaluate. Um, Quality has, so much to do. Shot quality has so much to do with goaltending and, and what's going to happen. Um, you know, you could have two goaltenders have the same save percentage, but one guy's facing, you know, in tight, you know, cross-sized passes, difficult to stop. And the other one's getting the same quantity of shots, but they're all coming in from the blue line, you know, and they stop the same number of shots based on the same number of shots that were taken, you know, the same save percentage. And it doesn't tell you anything that way. Uh, so, first place I'm going to look at um, is probably to try to look at the different forms of expected goals models that are out there. Um, They're going to do a lot better job of incorporating shot quality on top of shot quantity. uh, And and from there, you can start looking at how many goals were allowed versus how many goals were expected uh, to be scored from those shots. Um, That's a Much better way of looking at it, right? Because now, if you tenders who have the same quantity of shots, perhaps there is an entire goals worth of difference um, in expected goals, right? Uh, One guy would you expect three goals to be scored, the other two goals to be scored, but both allow two goals, right? So one guy is right on point, uh, stops two goals on two goals allowed, and you go all right, that's that's you know pretty decent, and the other one had a hell of a game by stopping more, you know a, a, a Full goal above what was expected of him for that game. Both have the same save percentage, um, but the expected goal saved is going to be a lot different there.
0: With with shot quality, it's it's so important to to this goaltending analysis because, like you alluded to, you know a shot from the point versus a shot literally on the doorstep of of the goal is you know uh, the disparity in those two shots in terms of going in and not going in. Is is huge, and so not every shot is treated equally. And I think that's why high danger, medium danger, low danger, sort of separating the ice or or the offensive zone into certain, uh, I guess, I guess thirds uh, is 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 really important. And I think that's that's a good starting point. At least you know, from my perspective, when I've looked at goalie statistics, I like to see how this goalie holds up when the going gets tough. And by that, I mean when the shot's coming from five feet in front of them or right on the doorstep or cross crease or in the slot, you know, those really prime scoring chances because anything from the point, you know, there's deflections, there's uh, there's screens. There, it's more of a crapshoot, and I think if you're in the NHL, you can save, I don't know, 99 out of 100 clean shots from, from the point, so that's kind of just white noise. Uh, am I on the right track with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, anytime that you can remove confounding factors from the statistic that you're looking at to try to isolate uh, talent from the surrounding environment, I mean, that's the best way you're going to go about doing it. And, and the further you can parse out those confounding factors, the closer you're going to get to actually seeing what talent is versus what environment is. Uh, and that's why it's so important to not just look at you know, quantity. It's going to be looking at quantity and quality, and then you're going to be able to get a better picture of where talent actually lies.
0: With quantity, uh, when do, so say a, a new goalie comes into the league or a guy starts with a new team, what's uh, what's kind of the minimum amount of shots or maybe minutes uh, before you actually go? Okay, now we can look at at what he brings to the table. Let's just say next year there's a rookie goalie. When do you start actually, you know, having an opinion on this guy? Is it a thousand shots? Is it a thousand minutes?
1: Yeah, um, that's tough. It's, it's. We're going to touch, I think, on on Hellebuck a bit later, but two seasons of Connor hellebuck and i don't feel entirely confident saying what i think he is at this point okay and that kind of gives you some insight into into evaluating goaltenders and the quantity aspect of it um there have been different uh different things different uh, ideas sort of tossed out there about what volume uh actually should be before you can start honing in on what a, a, a Save percentage might, range might actually fall in. Um, and, you know, we're talking about 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 shots, and you're not going to hit that point until three seasons, you know, even if you're getting um, a, a fair amount of time in that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a few seasons before you can really start to feel a little more comfortable with sort of predicting uh, actual talent level based on quantity alone. Um that is not gonna give you a whole lot until you get a lot of shots. The problem is is that now you're accounting for aging effects over multiple years. Uh you're accounting for different teams that the goaltenders may play on during that time, different quality of the teams, even if it is the same team. I uh, always you were in the middle of the off season, um, you look at the Rangers, uh that defense is gonna be massively different than it's been yeah. for the past <laughs> few years, right? So you can look at Henrik Lundqvist uh, and what's going to happen next year is not the same as this past year and not as the same as the year before. So interseason changes are going to affect that as well. So by the time you get to a large enough quantity, there's some other things going on that may sort of muddy the water there as well. But it's not going to be one season. That's really not going to tell you a whole lot of anything.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about Connor Hellbuck. You you brought him up and then and then pull and then pulled back for a second there. But let's get let's get into him. Uh, he's a very interesting goalie in terms of uh, the potential that has been uh, thrown on him on his shoulders. I guess you could say uh, he's had his chance to prove himself. Hasn't necessarily uh, had the support maybe uh, from the team, and also hasn't maybe performed to uh, his expectations. But this summer, as a twenty four year old. He signs a one-year extension with the Jets, 2.25 million. It's 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 very much a show me deal because uh, you know Steve Mason was also signed by the Jets. Uh, he got two years at 4.1. Uh, he's clearly the starter. Uh, I mean, things could change, but going into the season, it seems like it goes Mason and Hullibuch. Uh Maybe a one one A. We'll see. Uh, but I'm curious what you think about that contract and sort of where Halabuk stands uh, in general as as this young up-and-comer that that hasn't had the smoothest transition to the NHL
1: sure Um, it's again you know like I mentioned before it's really difficult based on uh, two seasons of not being necessarily um, a full-time starter Um, you know the first season was a, a pretty solid number of games in the in the middle part of the season um, there was a wider number of games this past year. Um, the first season was fantastic. The second season had its ups and downs. Um, and so it's tough to really put a finger on exactly what he might be. You know, He's 24 years old now. Um, that's not old, but it's not necessarily young. We're not talking about Matt Murray here either. So yeah. 24, you should be probably coming into your own at this point. Um, you probably are... Who you're going to be within the next year or two Um, so looking at it when you look at some of these stats we talked about rather than just pure save percentage we're looking at the expected goals against versus the actual goals against and and looking at something else like uh, above expected appearance percentage which is going to be the percentage of games that he appeared in in which he in which the goals against were lower than the expected goals against. so when we look at goals against versus expected goals against, he is a little bit better than average over these two seasons. Um, he is a little bit above 50%. He's 56 or so percent uh, of his games he performs above what's expected at, f- at 5v5.
0: Okay, it could be worse. What was that? It could be worse, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it could be worse. He's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. He's He's, he's got a few hitches in his game he can improve upon, but all in all, no, I, I wouldn't feel bad tossing him into the net at any point. Um, the money is maybe a little bit high for how he has performed in the aggregate over the past two seasons. Um, but that said, we also know that there is a lot of potential. Um, and we know that Winnipeg is probably backed into a corner a bit in getting him signed. Um, they have the space to give him that money. Um, it is, like you said, sort of a show-me deal here. We're going to give you two and million million if you can outperform that. We'll talk some more next season. You know, um, It's not the kind of money figure that's going to hold them back uh, this season, uh, but it's maybe a little bit more than what he's earned so far.
0: Another guy that really interested me in this offseason was Brian Elliott. Uh, he lands with the Flyers. The guy's 32. Uh, he's had stops in Ottawa, Colorado. St. Louis is what he's uh, most known for. His five years there with uh, Jake Allen, kind of sharing the load, uh, and then last year in Calgary was uh, was a roller coaster to say the least. Uh, he's had some good blue lines in front of him. He's put up some good numbers. Uh, how do you feel about the Flyers going with him on a, on a two year deal at two point seven five per year? Uh, which puts them ahead of uh, Neuwirth, at least money-wise. We'll see what they do in terms of uh, separating the starts. But uh, when you saw that deal, what did you think from the Flyers' perspective?
1: Uh, I think they downgraded from Steve Mason is what I think. Um, and that's coming from someone who's going to speak out in favor of Brian Elliott a bit more than most will. Uh, I like him. I, I think he's a good goaltender. I think even at at his age, he's performing well. Uh, he has been in a dual role most of his career. But in those roles, he's performed quite admirably. Uh, he is, I would feel, again, confident throwing him in my net. He's been above expected in terms of expected goals and goals against. Um, He is uh, well above average in terms of his uh, above expected appearance percentage. He's going to give you a lot of good, solid games. And I like the way his game looks in general. He's well-controlled. He's not going to get beat by shots that he shouldn't get beaten by very often. Um, You're going to have to actually beat him because he plays a well-controlled game. And I like that about, about him. Um, That being said, In the the aggregate, Philly downgraded from Steve Mason, uh, and and they saved a bit of money that way. They saved, uh, what, about a a mil and a quarter per year down from Steve, and and Mason took exactly the same contract in in Winnipeg as he had in Philly um, at 4.1. And, yeah, I mean, look, you saved a little bit of money, but you're probably not going to get as good of a goaltender as you had before either. Um, And I'm not really sold on Neubert either. I mean, we're talking about a 29 year old goaltender who in his appearances this year, not particularly great and is maybe at best an average goaltender. I think we we can at this point start to talk fairly confidently about a guy who's 29 years old. He's not a young goaltender with a ton of potential anymore. He is who he is. He's probably a league average goaltender. Um, Brian Elliott's better than that. I would expect him to probably outplay Neubert, but also, at the same time, I don't know that Phillies were able to give up on Neuvert being potentially the number one guy there. Um, it's a muddy situation, and it was probably muddier with Mason there because of the fact that Mason um, is better. And, and it's, it's one, of those, one of those things, I think, that Hex, Ron Hexel had to sort of make a decision who was going to be his guy and then decided to bring in Brian Elliott, being a guy who has thrived in a 1A, 1B sort of situation.
0: Well, that's the thing is maybe that's just what this guy is because he goes to Calgary and he's, he has this freedom to to own the net, and he stumbles. Like, he didn't have an absolute terrible season, but uh, it wasn't his best by any means. And when he was in St. Louis with Jake Allen, that seemed to work pretty well, but there was sort of a tipping point where they had to choose one over the other. Uh, do, do you think Elliott is just – like, his ceiling is, is a guy who shares the net. Uh, like, maybe he can't handle a, a big workload. Or do you think last year was, was sort of a mulligan, and, and if they give him a chance to really prove himself again, uh, that he could really uh, open some eyes in, in Philly? I You know, I
1: was excited for him to get a shot in Calgary last season. I thought, here's a guy who has had to spide his time, split his games for most of his career. He's played incredibly well during that time and in that role. And I think, you know, here, here, you know, go do it. Here's your shot, man. Go go, show everyone who you actually are. And he fell pretty flat early in the season. Uh, for about half the year, it was pretty rough. Uh, and then towards the end of the season, uh, I think, you know, Chad Johnson had a couple of games that were a little off, and, and Elliot got a, a run towards the end of the season, and he played really well. Um, so, I'm, I'm not sold that he can't be a legitimate number one, but we're also at a point where he is 32 years old. Um, that is not young for a goaltender, and maybe we are getting to the point where even if he is good enough to do it, maybe we need to be reigning back on his minutes anyway.
0: Speaking of uh, of older goaltenders, uh, I want to talk about recency bias and, and in relation to Pekka Rene and how uh, the playoffs went with the Predators' And how he went on this incredible hot streak and everyone started freaking out. And I, I, you know, all the power to the guy. He was he was carrying his team at certain points. And, you know, them being down a couple centermen did not help. Uh, obviously, Nashville has that incredible uh, back end. So, you know, he's not left out to dry too often. But uh, Rene was on this, like, historic run in terms of save percentage, at least raw save percentage and and i just kept thinking okay one game you know the floodgates are just going to open and this is all going to kind of regress back to the rene that that we know and 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 that has has turned into basically an average starter in the league um so he's getting older but recency bias is always going to be there where people uh, and and maybe you get caught up in the same thing as as just you know being a human being watching hockey sometimes you get caught up in these these hot hand situations where a goalie goes on this incredible like you know 10 game run where they're of a 950 save percentage and you go wow yeah what he's got to be one of the best in the league and then boom the you know the the bottom falls out and and all of a sudden they're back to you know 915 920 maybe even worse than that uh and I'm talking raw uh, save percentage do you find do you struggle with with recency bias and, and sort of and that that's that that whole sort of concept or are you more inclined to look at the big picture
1: I try not to get caught up in recency. I really do my best not to uh, to get in, too involved with the idea of, of uh, you know a run um, being more indicative of, of a goaltender than uh, a wider set of data. Uh, you know, what would it be? Months or years, or you know, a, a short run of games is is exactly that. It's short run of games. And goaltending is a position that is. These, look, just to get to this level, you have to be very good, right? So Pecorino could be a below-average goaltender most of the time, but he still has to be a damn good goaltender to get to this level, right? Yeah, of course. So any one of these guys in the league, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Pecorino or Curtis McElhinney or, or Carey Price, any one of these guys is capable of going on a run. And, and I bring up McElhinney specifically, too, because this is a guy who, quite frankly, and I've heard he's a... A fantastic guy, and I don't want to speak badly of him, but he is probably the worst goaltender statistically over the last five, six, seven. I don't know how he's lasted in the NHL this long, even as a backup, right? Um, and and that's, it's a strange thing to now see him in his 30s put up a season that is so far from what he's done the rest of his career that he actually was <laughs> something that Toronto went out and traded for to yeah. be cover for Freddie Anderson right? Um, And so these things happen. They happen to the best of goaltenders. They happen to the worst of them. But at the NHL level, all goaltenders are going to be good enough to go on a hot run. Um, It's going to happen sometime or another. Um, And so I try to always remember that that's, that's how it goes. Um, Renee credits where it's due went on a a fantastic run during the playoffs. But I also know that over the past three years, there are more games in which he gives up uh, more goals than are expected than the reverse, right? So there are more games in which he he, he underperformed expected goals uh, than than the opposite, right? So you try to keep that in mind and you go, all right, this is this is how it's gone. This is who he is over the long term. Um, how long <laughs> you question? How long is this run going to last? And like you said, is the bottom going to just fall out at some point? And during the playoffs, there were you know, One or two games in which he looked like Pecorine, again, the, the one that we've come to know over the last few years. Um, but, again, all credit where it's due, uh, he was phenomenal. And maybe Nashville doesn't get as far as they did without him playing the way he did, even behind that defense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's difficult if you're maybe analyzing a, a series or even just a couple rounds to, to really place – a performance like Rene's uh, on a scale because you're like it could easily end tomorrow and we're not talking about this anymore Rene's just back to kind of being in his normal self or he can continue for another four games and boom they win the cup you know what I mean it's 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 so kind of tied up in timing and i i found it difficult during the the playoffs to justify saying oh but he'll you know he'll regress it's like well but maybe he won't uh because he only has to win four more games maybe the regression doesn't come right away so i i struggle with that in terms of sort of uh i guess i guess it's hard to predict anything relating to hockey right you just have to sort of go with the long game because uh it's just so unpredictable and and it's sports and and it's it's humans playing on on an ice surface, uh, and guys can go on incredible hot streaks, or like you said, uh, terrible stretches where they look awful. And probably in the middle somewhere is is the reality of the player.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there's hot streaks. There's cold streaks. And then you try to and you know do an evaluation. Look in the aggregate. Does this guy have more hot streaks than cold streaks? Is, does he just play every game as expected? Is he, is he a machine? You know, Is it, is it just a robot in net who does what he's expected to do? It, it's, there are a lot of ways to cut the analysis, um, but you want to try to incorporate as much information as you can when you evaluate. Uh, so a hot streak is a hot streak. A cold streak is a cold streak. Rene plays fantastically during the playoffs uh in the reverse Braden Holpe's been uh really really good the last couple years and Washington's got this stacked team that everyone expects to really make a a, a run at the cup this year and they get to Pittsburgh and Holpe bombs out Uh, a guy who you wouldn't expect to go on that kind of streak bombs out entirely against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh you know moves on to the next round instead of Washington and goes on to win the cup um and by most objective measures of that Washington Pittsburgh series, Washington outplayed Pittsburgh, and you know it just happened. Uh, Renee plays hot. Hope he has a cold series, and that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's transition to uh, more big picture. Uh, Tearing these goalies in the NHL heading into next season, and and just discuss who the really elite guys in the league are because. Uh, people listening may not realize that you know ex goalie actually statistically is is right up there with with the carry prices of the world, um, or or conversely, a guy who seems to maybe uh, ride on the coattails of a very good team um, is not maybe as good as he as he seems. Um, so I'm going to give you uh, a, a couple minutes here to to discuss who your top tier is, who your truly elite uh, goaltenders are.
1: All right. Uh this is this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Um, <laughs> it ranking goaltenders is actually not a ton of fun. It's it's really difficult to try to pin you know pinpoint uh, sort of set rankings, but if we can at least break it down into tiers, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. That's why so, I wa-
0: that's why I wanted to talk about tiers because it is so hard to just slot one, two, three, four, five. So give me your top tier. Yeah.
1: So the top tier is, is really going to be as expected, right? you got Kerry Price at the top and, and right behind them is, is Henrik Lundqvist. Now Lundqvist had a down year this year. He's 35 years old. Um, maybe that's just who he is now, but something tells me that this was more of an anomaly than anything. And you get a better defense in front of him and, and some of those raw numbers will, will pick back up again. But as far as the top tier goes, I think that's really it for the, the tippy top of goaltending. It's those two guys. Um, Right behind him, though, is probably Braden Holpe. And in the same breath is Corey Crawford, too. Um, I had a lot of doubts about Corey Crawford early in his career. Um, There were a lot of optics that just weren't very good. Um, He didn't do well um, with, with moving laterally. Uh, it, it held him back, and he got his game together. And for three, four years now, he's been very, very good. And I would, so I would have probably Braden Holt and Corey Crawford in a sort of second tier on any Price and, and Lundqvist. Um After that, it becomes a real mess. <laughs> um, and he, then you start talking about guys who uh, have a proclivity to sometimes be all-world goaltenders, play at that Carey Price-Henrik Lundqvist level, but sometimes don't either. Um, You got to, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky this season was at that level, but last season, not so much. I mean, he he had injury problems. Maybe that's what's held him back from being that top, top tier goaltender. Corey Schneider didn't have a fantastic year, but we know he's capable of doing it as well. Jonathan Quick, who a lot of people on the uh, analytics side of goaltending sort of scoff at, is probably still a little bit better than advertised from that community, but maybe not as good as the traditionalists look at as well. Um, Cam Talbot uh, really made a statement this year, Um, just the amount of games he played and how well he played in all of those games. I kind of expected him to break down at some point, not because of his his talent level, just because of being overworked. Um, And I think that he's probably – pretty firmly in that third tier as well. And Steve Mason, who has had his ups and downs, again, this season, maybe not the best for him, but the past couple were very, very good. Um, And I would place him in that tier as well. Uh, Probably a little bit under those guys, you start getting into the real sort of hodgepodge uh, mishmash of of guys here. You know, Yaroslav Valak, who had to spend a lot of time in the AHL this year, just... It was a, a sort of crunch in in Brooklyn between Thomas Grice, who was another guy in this tier, and uh, jean Francois rouet who I don't know why they would fight to keep him so hard at, at the expense of, of placing Yarrow Halak in the AHL. Um, Brian Elliott's probably in that tier. John Gibson, um, both of the Andersons, Freddie and uh, Craig, uh, possibly even Marc-Andre Fleury, Peter Mrazek. These are all guys who are very good goaltenders as well. Have their ups and downs, but are capable of playing at a very high level as well. Um, and then there are a few names uh, that are probably I would say going back to a little bit earlier in the conversation, quantity uh, gives us more confidence in how to how we can evaluate as well, right So we might have some guys who haven't had a whole lot of ice time, haven't had a whole lot of shots, but have shown very well during the time that they've been on there but maybe we don't feel so confident yet in in declaring them to be a great success. Those are guys like Matt Murray. I think Matt Murray could be a top tier guy, but he hasn't played enough to really feel confident to say he is uh, that top tier guy yet. We need more data. We need more information before we can really settle in on him being at that level. But he has played tremendously well in his time in the league. Um, Scott Darling, who is a little bit older, um, but he's going to get his chance in Carolina. He's been very good in Chicago as a backup there. Um, Antti Ranta is going to get his chance in Arizona now. Uh, he's been uh, fantastic the past couple of years in New York. Um, then we get a, a few younger guys who... Again, just not enough there to really make uh, a real determination of their talent level, and that's guys like Connor Hellebuck and Eunice Corpesalo and Louis Domingue, who have played very well in their time, but we just don't have a lot to show um, to feel confident about that yet.
0: Okay, a lot to unpack there. When you didn't mention Matt Murray, I'm like, is he is he crazy? Is he just you know overlooking him? <laughs> and then and then you have this sort of like. Uh, Sub tier where it's uh, you know not enough uh, sample or uh, the sample's not large enough. Um, yeah. Wh- but Murray, uh, I I mean most people would probably argue and go, you know, look at the two cups he has, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when do you start believing what you're seeing uh, and and put him in that top tier? Is it is it basically after the season? Let's say he plays 50 games and he is what he's been. Uh, do you do you, do you crown him a top tier guy?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm real close to it. Because when you watch him, you can see how you know you can really see the good things that he does on the ice, um, and and so statistically it's backing that up. It's just a little bit of fear of it not holding up over the long term. There just isn't a large enough sample to say at this point that he is at that top tier, but it's close. I mean, he's just been so good so far. Um, that it would be more surprising than not that the wheels fall off and he's just not this this really good goaltender at this point.
0: And with Brabovski, you hit on it uh, earlier. The guy's got such high highs and such low lows. It's it's tough to really get a handle on him. The guy, you know, he has two Vesnas where you know Lundqvist and Price both have one. If if my memory serves correctly, like that shows it right there. This guy just has amazing seasons. Here and there, and and you know maybe some of it's injuries, maybe some of it's playing on the Blue Jackets, which historically have not been a good team. Recently, they've they've cranked it up and been uh, pushed up and in, into the upper echelon. But uh, he's a guy that that I'm interested to see uh, in the next couple of years. You know how do, how does his career end? Is he is he you know is he Bobrovsky uh, the Vesna guy or is he Bobrovsky the uh, unreliable guy?
1: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a. That's a fun game to play. Um, it's less fun if you are the coach and general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets oh, because yeah. you don't exactly know what you're going to get. You know how tremendously talented he is, and you're going to toss him out there as many games as possible because you just that's, that's his talent level. But it may not go well. It may go as good as it gets. I mean, when he is on his game, he's as good as Carey Price. He's as good as Henrik Lundqvist. Um, he is top tier, when, uh, probably more so than any of the other guys on this list. But besides those two, um, when he's on his game, that's—I mean—he's as good as it gets. Um, but you don't know if that's what you're going to get out of him, uh, and you don't know how much of that is related to the injuries he's had, which are not good injuries to have. Groin injuries are bad as a goaltender. You don't want to have groin injuries, and you don't know if that's going to come back to get him.
0: And with Price, he's—you know—to sort of build off of you don't know what you're going to get from him in the next couple of years. If we're talking about price at the end of his new contract, you don't really know what you're going to get from him as much as, you know, he has a long way to fall uh, in terms of getting to maybe being just a league average guy. Like he's so far ahead of, of the regular goalie in the NHL that he would have to have a kind of catastrophic drop to, to not be a useful goalie. But, you know, he signs a, an eight year deal, which starts not this season coming up but the season after uh, for 10.5 million a year, which is actually not not bad in terms of money. It's just the guy's contract uh, is over when he's 38, and who knows what he's going to be like. He could be, you know, Marty Berdier was good when he was when he was that old, but we'll see what happens with Price. What did you think of that contract?
1: I I, I worry a little bit. <laughs> I worry a little bit just because you don't want to bet on goaltenders aging well. Um, it, it's it's risky. I mean, he's already 29 years old, um, which is probably a little bit past um, your prime in terms of, of, of a goaltender aging curve. Uh, so I don't, I'm do not i not going to say he's not capable of having a career year still at 29 or 30 or 31. It, it could very well still happen, right? But you don't expect it to get better from here, from where it's already been. He's been so good that to get better is, is just impossible to... to 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 believe anyway, right? So, and to go into your 30s, it's just, as time goes on, if the the salary cap grows, it's not going to be as painful as it would be otherwise, but it's a risk. Uh, It was a risk when Henrik Lundqvist signed his at eight and a half. Thankfully for the Rangers, it's gone fairly well. Um, and, And I would have felt more confident in giving Lundqvist his contract than I would feel giving Carey Price his ten and a half, mostly because Carey Price has had a couple seasons in his past that were a little bit down, whereas Lundqvist literally never had a down year. Not until this season. There was never a year in which he performed below league average in any respect. Um, so you could feel pretty confident handing Lundqvist a big contract and saying, you're you're going to be fine. Play this out. Do your thing. Um, Carey Price has had a couple years that weren't fantastic, um, but the year's there's been more years in which he's been great, but it makes you wonder whether or not he, his career arc can match what Lundquist has been. And if it doesn't, that's going to be an albatross of a contract um, in, a, in a real hurry.
0: Yeah, Lundquist is one of those guys where he has a bad month, everyone starts freaking out, and then he just completely ah. settles down. I know he's a notorious uh, slow starter. Uh, But like you said, if you look at at his raw numbers, like, save percentage, it's pretty, uh, you know, if you did a graph, it'd be just a straight line across, more or less, Um, you know, a little bit of a peak here and there. But um, with with Price... uh, from the Habs perspective they had their hands tied the price had all the leverage in the world uh as at the absolute cornerstone of their franchise and you know if he said if his if his main demand is term 8 8 years i mean i don't know how you talk him out of that and, uh, other than uh letting him go down the line
1: yeah i mean what are you going to do trade him <laughs> i don't know i mean you could I'm sure someone would pay a, a, a fortune to bring a goaltender like carry Price in, uh, but no. I mean, you're not going to move him, so you're going to give him what what he wants because you're not going to risk losing him for nothing either. Um, so when he comes knocking on the door and says, "I want ten and a half million dollars a year and I want it for a really long time," what are you going to do? I mean, you, you, you hand it over and you say, you know, you cross your fingers and say, "I hope I hope this goes well." Um, he's been very good. Let's let's
0: hope for the best. I was uh, I was looking at the Vesna winners of the last ten years when I was preparing for this, and I'm going through like the save percentages. and Tim Thomas had a a nine thirty eight in two thousand ten eleven. He was thirty six then. Like it's an incredible season. I know Chara was in his prime, Bergeron's you know being his dominant self, but Tim Thomas like stood on his head that season. He played fifty seven games in the regular season too. It's not like he was playing 40 games and and splitting the the load there uh that do you look back on that season and go how does a guy of his age you know such a late bloomer uh do you know produce such an an amazing season
1: yeah that doesn't it just doesn't make sense what he <laughs> what he did was is, um don't expect that to happen again anytime soon um not for not for a guy who really didn't perform anywhere near that level until then, uh, you know, he had a year, a couple years before then he had close to that level, but to be at that age and just toss up numbers like that um, just out of the blue, that's no, it doesn't, it doesn't really happen. Um, not, not even, not at that level, not anywhere near it. So yeah, I, it's um, by that age, usually guys are, are well on, on the, downward slope of performance and uh, what he did is, is
0: um, memorable, to say the least. Who out of uh, the current goalies going into next year, and, and you can't say any of the top tier guys, who out of, uh, you know, second, third, fourth tier, do you, uh, maybe cheer is the wrong word, but, but you sort of root for internally. Uh, maybe you just like his style or you think he's underappreciated. Uh, who's sort of a, uh, an Ian Fleming uh, favorite? <laughs> uh.
1: Let's, I, I want Cam Talbot to keep going and, and doing what he's doing. Um, you know, as, as, I try to stay as objective as possible. I am a Rangers fan. I have been my whole life. It was nice to see Cal, Tal, Cam Talbot get his shot, and it's nice to see him really perform well in that role. Um, if he doesn't perform the way he did this year, Edmonton's probably not in as strong a stronger position as they were, and that's taking into account having a guy like Connor McDavid on the team. Um, what Talbot did was, uh, again, not something you should really expect at this point in time to be thrust into that many games and perform at the level that he did. So I would love to see him continue on um, being an undrafted guy, um,
0: playing from an unheralded,
1: you know, coming from an unheralded college. Um, it's it's fun to root for Cam Talbot.
0: Now, before I let you go, uh, Ian, what are some metrics that people should maybe look into? Ones that are beyond, say, percentage. Uh, I know goals saved above average is is probably a good starting point, and sort of the adjusted uh, equations, adjusted stats uh, surrounding that. And, and then there's you know rated stats on top of the adjusted ones. Is there a spot where you would uh, send them to to get educated?
1: <laughs> uh, if you want. A sort of snapshot of a bunch of different things all in one that's uh, pretty easily read. You can look at my save charts that I made. Um, You can go to my website, dispellingvoodoo.com, and I have uh, a few different types of save charts. I think the last one is probably the most easily readable to be able to compare between two goaltenders. You can look at stats, um, you know, you can see the time on ice. You can see the expected goals against per you know per 48 minutes of five v five time. I do 48 minutes just because that's roughly the average five v five minutes per game. Um, you know, you can see how many um, you know high danger, medium danger, low danger shots they get per game. Uh, you can see expected goals, save above average and uh, above expected appearance percentage. So. You go and you look at this sort of all-in-one snapshot of, of goaltender stats, and you might be able to paint a little bit picture, a little bit better picture than you would if you were just looking at save percentage, and definitely if you're looking at goals against average.
0: Yeah, basically, if you want to nerd out, uh, head to dispellingfoodoo.com is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to self plug or anything, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 not a bad spot to sort of uh, get a quick fix on on goaltending stats.
0: All right, Ian, I, uh, I appreciate your time. I guess uh, the last uh, request I would have is to, to let people know how they can read your, your work that you do for hockey graphs or uh, NHL numbers. I guess following your, your Twitter account would be smart.
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It is I am Fleming IamFleming16. Uh, that is the Twitter handle. Um, I haven't written anything in a little while. I have a few different uh few different things going on a few different projects i'm working on um looking to get something on hockey graph soon uh looking to hopefully pick up the the volume of articles i'm writing i would love to get some more things on nhl numbers as well um yeah that's that's the bulk of what you can get is coming from twitter um you can get my musings there and on dispelling voodoo where you can get a, a bit of the statistical insights
0: all right awesome Ian. I, I thank you for your time
1: yeah, thank you for having me.